0: Not a big radio row guy. Now, that being said, if my boss is listening, I mean, send me. I want to go, and I want to try to meet famous people. The radio show won't be very good, but I'd
1: love to go. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: Number two, we're live at Radio Row. And at least based on how this sounds in my headphones, on wood, I think it sounds okay. I think everything's working. Hell yeah. Stressing all afternoon. I'm always stressing that some technology is going to fail. We're live here. Table number 69, which is absolutely hilarious. There's like 150 plus tables. <laughs> Bill and I got table number 69. I've been running down guests for Bill all week. Right? So running around this big convention center trying to spot people who would come on his show to talk about you know this that or the other thing loaded show today is i guess the week it gets busier tuesday wednesday it starts to ramp up as we get closer to the game so there was so many people running around today uh and i've been emailing people for bill as well and i i kind of made a mess over email with one of the bookers for a couple of guests that bill's going to have on tomorrow Uh, a couple players uh some some coaches like people like that and i I made a huge mess over this email thread to the point where the agent's like, can you please just call me? This is, I can't understand what's going on. And I'm like, okay, sure. So I take my phone and I go to the edge of the convention center. So the wall all the way behind me. Uh, And if you've seen any of the videos on Bill's stream this week, like you kind of get an idea of this big convention center we're in. And I get all the way over to the side, try to get where it's quiet so I can make a phone call. And there's only one other man over there. And it's Ian Rappaport. NFL Network, right? He's big-time insider, newsbreaker, plugged in, and he was on the phone. Now, he might have been talking to his mom, but there's also a good chance, because he's Ian report, that he was talking to sources, that he was looking for scoops. He was talking to big-time folks to get inside information. So, me, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll go over here, I'll be on my phone, and it'll look like I'm... <laughs> like, like I'm also doing insider things. Oh, who are those guys over there? Oh, it's Ian Rappaport. I don't know who that guy is, but certainly looks like it's an important phone call. It's probably with probably with an NFL big wig. Uh, no, it was it was just an agent who demanded uh, asked nicely. I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't make her look bad. She asked nicely that I call her because I was so nonsensical over email. But man, I felt cool just standing off to the side. Looking like I'm on an insider call. Ian Rappaport nearby. Yeah, felt cool. Hell yeah. I'm just role-playing this week, really. I'm just trying my best to fit in. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you listening. And I appreciate you putting up with a show this week that's a little different. Uh, I've learned over the years of doing this that everyone has slightly different preferences in sports radio, right? Some people love callers. Some people do not. Uh, Some people love guests. Some people do not. So this is kind of a unique week. I'm doing my best to have a good mix of guests because we're out here and there's so many good football people. But also, you know, talk about the stories that are going on with the day-to-day. Our Wisconsin teams, Badger basketball, talked about that a little bit yesterday. want to talk about the Packers. Two guests on the lineup. Who knows? I might try to flag somebody down. I doubt it, but who knows? Opportunity might present themselves. Uh, coming up here in just a little bit, Trevor Sykema, who's with Pro Football Focus. He's their draft guy. Trevor is one of... The PFF guys who I, I didn't talk to until today. Uh, we've had Sam Monson on. He's on with Bill all the time. Eric Eager, of course, when he was there. Brad Spielberger, who's an awesome guest as well. Trevor's not somebody who I met until today, and he's willing to come on and you know talk about the Packers and the NFL with us in about 10 minutes, so I'm excited to, to bring him into the show. Peter Bukowski, who has been on from time to time throughout this Packers season, and Over the years, Locked On Packers podcast, he runs The Leap as well. And they've actually been breaking some news. They've had some stories the last couple of weeks. So Peter will be here in the second hour. Trevor Sykema should be here anytime. I want to start today's Radio Row show (laughs) By by talking about our Milwaukee Brewers, our boys and Brew. I imagine at some point in the history of Radio Row, in the history of the Super Bowl, That there's been some broadcaster, some radio, some TV guy that's talked about the Brewers on Radio Row? It probably doesn't happen often. Uh, Probably does not happen every year. Bill has probably done it. He's been coming to the Super Bowl for well over a decade now, so probably Bill talked about the Brewers at some point at Radio Row. Can't imagine it happens often. Uh, Can't imagine that uh, that a lot of, like, we're next to the Pro Football Talk booth and the McAfee set over there McAfee is probably not breaking down the Corbin Burns trade last week the Brewers traded Corbin Burns and it's really weird because never have I ever gotten over a trade so easily like I was thinking earlier today about Corbin Burns it's like oh yeah he's gone now that's that's right well thanks for the the good times uh and the frustrating times I look Brewers fans stock was down on Corbin Burns after what happened against the Diamondbacks but one of the best Brewers pitchers ever I think J.R. Radcliffe what did he tell us last week top three top two Brewers pitcher of all time. I don't want to talk about the Corbin Burns trade. I remain skeptical about a trade of Willie Adamas or of Devin Williams. We shall see. It doesn't really fit the Brewers M.O. It doesn't fit the Brewers M.O. They trade one good player. Other teams, the Royals, the Marlins, maybe the Pirates or the Reds, teams that have built it up, torn it down, built it up, torn it down, all in, all out, all in, all out. Other teams commit. The Brewers do not commit. They keep a foot in both lanes constantly. So the fact that the Brewers traded one of their good players actually leads me to strongly believe they won't trade another one of their good players because that would mean they're leaning too far in one direction or the other. So it's not really the M.O. of the Brewers to trade Devin Williams or Adamas now. Something that does fit the Brewers' M.O. <laughs> I'm just looking around right here. I can't believe I'm about to talk about this at the Super Bowl. Do you see the Brewers' story in the Milwaukee Business Journal? Journal Sentinel then ran a story. Some other publications have. The Brewers are taking tailgate culture... And they're going digital, baby. This is ba- this is my favorite story of the year so far. The Brewers, when it comes to parking, are at least attempting now to live in 3024. Not 2024, but 3024. They're going to an app, and they're going to be the first professional American sports team to use this technology that involves scanning a license plate and scanning so there's less personnel there's less money changing hands less dirty cash because we hate cash in this country i love a cash only bar i understand that's not the way of the world i'm old-fashioned whatever i think we should hold on to cash only transactions but the brewers are going digital they're going to use an app and it's going to be unveiled on opening day and i just think this is some of the best content from a team that gives us nothing but elite content. Like, they traded Josh Hader in first place at the deadline. There are sports fans that will go their entire life without one of their teams doing something that funny. Like, you talk to fans uh, in Atlanta, in New York, in Minnesota, in Chicago. There are fans that will go their entire life without a transaction or without a trade, without a story that ridiculous and that hilarious. And the Brewers, they really bless us from a content standpoint. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, I'm looking at Tom Dakin's story in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel because I subscribe to the Journal Sentinel. I don't subscribe to the Milwaukee Business Journal, uh, and I used up my free article reading about it last night. The Brewers' parking to move faster with new system. It uses an app and eliminates cashiers. The funniest part of the story is Rick Schlesinger, uh, the Brewers' president of business operations, and a, 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 a foundational piece of a, a documentary, an informational piece that ran uh, through the Wisco Sports Show Studios' earlier this year i guess last year in 2023 about Paige speronic and a promotion that just might have saved the season this quote from rick we are always considering how to improve the fan experience an entry into american family fields parking lots is a topic fans often raise that's just not true there's no way it can be true and i know a lot of brewers fans rip the brewers for their obsession with tailgate culture uh and even if you think that all of those lots should be like turned into parks and liberal art colleges like you have to respect their commitment to the pit this is the funniest thing ever and i want to talk about it more throughout the show we might talk about it tomorrow too because i think it's absolutely hilarious right now trevor Sikkema, pro football focus is here uh trevor i've commandeered the bill michaels show set so not all of this equipment is mine. You can hear me, okay? It's loud enough. I can.
2: Yes, awesome. I, I can hear you. I can hear you. Is this part of a coup? Because I don't. I don't know if I signed up for that. This takeover. This. Uh, this table here. I don't really know that Bill cares because he
0: came in and he did his show and he's like, "All right, we're gonna go back to the house. We're gonna do our thing. We'll see you at media night tonight." And I'm like, "I'll find an Uber or something." He's like. You'll be good. You'll figure it out. I've never been to Vegas before. I'm doing my best to figure it out. This is my first Super Bowl experience. This is pretty darn cool. Mine as well. Really? Yeah.
2: I, this is the first time that I've done Super Bowl media. Uh, I've been full-time in the industry for about eight years now, but this is the first time I've been at Super Bowl media, and it's cool. Uh, you know, I, you know, some people have, are comparing it to, you know, cities of the past, but... Vegas is built for this man I mean yeah. Vegas is built for big events and um, for hosting a lot of people in media and important people uh, obviously like yourself yeah, and thank, so thank you yeah yeah so I I, I just think that <laughs> from what I have seen so far it's been it's been a blast I've really enjoyed it and I'm just I you know I'm Midwestern I'm
0: I'm not a brash straightforward person like I kind of take things as as they come like, okay, so it takes a while to walk in, or, like, the, the Uber ride takes fr- – like, I live in a smaller town. I live in Madison, Wisconsin, so this is – it's a lot, but look where we are. And yeah. Look who's around. Right. And we get to be down on the field last night. It was super cool. I have to tell you, before we talk about anything related to the Packers, the NFL, mm-hmm. so over the years as a producer and as a host, I've I've dealt with Sam – uh, and brad and eric when he was with pro football focus you guys are like no one likes football like you guys do like you are a joint like you make football i can tell how much you guys love to talk about ball and like being around some of you guys this week and eric and like it's just been a blast i love the work that you guys do.
2: and i appreciate it man that means a lot um anytime that anybody says that to me it is the highest compliment in the world because Football is fun, right? I mean, like, we're all doing this because we love talking yeah. about sports. You know, like, it, we, it, when we were young, whether it was talking with our friends or our parents or whatever, like, it was just we enjoyed this for one reason or another, and, and now we get to call it a career, and now we get to do cool stuff like this. Um, I always hope that. My passion and joy for what I get to do comes out in any of my work, and yeah. so for for you to be able to say that, man, like I said, it's it's the highest compliment, and I I appreciate it. I'm glad that it comes out that
0: no way. No one's having more fun at this event than the group of Pro Football focused guys, or at least it would seem. I
2: just wait until 10 p.m. the night after the media <laughs> dinner, and uh, and 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 you'll really see that. So. Oh my God! So I'm in I'm on
0: Midwestern time, so I've been up early and to bed later than I should be Uh, but I'm trying to make the most of Vegas like we're out here I want to ask you about the Packers because you're a Buccaneers fan you're on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey yes you saw our defense at the absolute worst this year (laughs) now every defense has to have a worse game like some people as Packers fans we'll talk about other teams and defenses like we're the only defense to ever have a bad week or a bad stretch right right so Jeff Hapley is in Joe Barry is out Packers fans expect better how much of that is fair what do you make of what happened with the Packers defense this year because you y- saw it down yeah bat.
2: right I know and I just think that it was I, I, I don't feel like they had the right ingredients for the recipe that they wanted and, and whether that was Joe Barry kind of forcing things where he maybe shouldn't or truly just not having the right players in the right spots obviously injuries is something that they went through that that everybody goes through but for as much as Man, for as much as people want to look at like injuries and just say like, oh, every team goes through it, that doesn't make it easier, you know. Like yeah. when you when you lose key guys, like you lose key guys, and so I think that they went through their fair share of that. But I really do think that this this draft coming up, we have focused a lot on safety for them. We focused a lot on cornerback, really improving that secondary. They've had a lot of investments uh, within the defensive line over the last couple of years, the linebacker level as well, and so I just feel as though. I, I, they they did not have the pieces that they needed to have to really succeed. Even some of the young guys that were forced to – because people talk about the young players on the Packers offense mm-hmm. that uh, w- were really forced to step up. I felt like that was the case, obviously, at cornerback as well this season. And so that's just – it's such a tough position to say, oh, yeah, you're young? Just, like, go out there and play in the NFL against yeah. some of the best wide receivers that there is. So, to me, obviously, I, I, I lean on you guys when it comes to Packers expertise and what you see because you yeah. watch this team – Week in and week out, but it, it obviously feel, felt like something needed to be changed because I think when you lose that hope, when you lose that um, ability to think that you're right, going in the right direction, even complacency is, uh, I yeah. think, bad. And I think the Packers had kind of reached that with Barry and it seemed time for the change. But I think another draft period where they're heavily investing in some of those secondary players, I think it'd be great for them. So
0: I, and I want to ask you about the secondary in a sec because I think there's an interesting parallel what the Bucks did a couple of years ago before the Super Bowl and what I'd like the Packers to do. But yes. you mentioned the defensive line. Like, Carl Brooks, flash. That's a player that really excites me. Devontae White is fascinating, and I talked about this with Eric yesterday. He wins so quickly and
2: then... Doesn't make the play when I, he
0: gets in the backfield. I had him as a top fifteen
2: <laughs> player during his draft because I was like, dude. I mean, he does the hard part. Yeah, like he like he wins <laughs> he off does. the snap. That's the difficult part. And if you just sustain that success, you get into the backfield and you get a lot of production. So even like the moments that he has flashed with Green Bay over the last couple, of years, I know it was a slow start for him. But I'm just like, there it is. Like, see, I told so. It's uh, it's one of those things where I have not lost faith in him. So I agree. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but yeah, no, no, no. I, I just wanted to give some context to that. I liked him as well. It's just such an interesting
0: like he does the hard part so well? He wins quickly, and when you look at, you know, it's funny because we're on radio. You guys, Pro Football Focus, or other people who are in data science, you post the, the graphs with the four quadrants, and mm-hmm. you know, like for whatever metric. And I try to explain it on the air, and it's a catastrophe because I'm not mathematically like. And it's a it's a visual product, right? So explaining it on the air, but it would always be like, oh, Devonte Wyatt's winning as well as anyone. The production is in there. Hopefully, that comes around. Right. So I like a lot of the young pieces on the front. The back end, I think, needs an overhaul and the Packers have two seconds, two thirds. They have a lot of They have picks on par with Washington and new England. Yeah. Teams that are rebuilding. Yep. I saw what Jason light did for your team with the secondary corner and safety building up to that Super Bowl. I see what the Lord has done for other, I want that. (laughs) I want that for my team. So how do we go into this draft and have a young, exciting group of corners and safeties? What's the
2: roadmap? Yeah. I mean, I think that corner is the more talented group this year. And so, if you're looking to invest a first-round pick in one of them, you're absolutely going to do so at corner. And I think that there's going to be a lot of options for them. Um, I know I've mocked Cooper DeGene from Iowa to the Packers many, many times, and and every time I do, Packers fans seem to be like, yeah, no, no, it's actually perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I think that he would be a good fit for them. I really do because – he does have that versatility. Could play safety for you. Could play outside corner. Could play slot corner as well. So I really do look at him as a Jalen Ramsey type of potential player. That wow. you know, like one week, you're like if the matchup against a team, it's most advantageous that you have him a little bit deeper, you play him in safety. If it's more advantageous that you have him outside, you play him outside. If it's more advantageous that you want him in the box because he's one of the best run defending corners that you're ever going to find, you do that and he gives you a little bit of extra help there if it's more power-heavy running team. And so I just think the versatility is fantastic. If you can get your hands on him, uh, that, would be a great, that would be a great addition. But the Alabama corners, uh, Terion Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, I think those are two guys where if you want to start to play a little bit more man coverage in whatever you do, they have the experience and ability to do that. Quinion Mitchell, who had an unbelievable Senior Bowl, basically answered all the questions that we had of him. He might be CB one off the board. Nate Wiggins from Clemson at well as well. There's just, and that's not even counting like Ennis Rickshaw Jr. from Missouri and so many others that you can now get into the second round as potential options for you. But you know, it's funny that you brought up Jason Light and what he's done in Tampa Bay. I think he's been one of the best drafting general managers I think mm-hmm. over the last five years. And you look at. His two, tar- his, his two starting outside corners, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, both day two selections. Anton Winfield Jr., early day two selections. So mm-hmm. it's like you you don't have to hit on the first round when it comes to this position like you can find starters if the class like allows you to like if it's deep enough to get into that area so i definitely go corner for them early on and then safeties and there's a handful it's not the strongest safety class but you know cam kitchens tyler newbin uh the darian taylor demerson who was a standout player at the shrine bowl who i think is going to be a great pro really versatile player like all these guys, kind of come to mind is that uh, that next second that next safety piece for them to add. So uh, another
0: player, like I'm not a big draft guy, and I think it's just because the way that my brain works, and I'm not making excuses. Like if I really grind the draft, like I think I can get into it. Like on my show, I'm trying to lead conversation. I'm watching a game, bringing my takes to the air and then taking calls. And like some people, it's like 40 times, uh, like all of the drills and all right. the combine. that like, some people like the draft as much as they like, you know, the actual games. Like it's, it's a, it's a product and it's a process. A lot of people enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think cause the Packers have so many picks this year. I'll get into it. They need a dynamic running back because Aaron Jones is like, I love Aaron Jones, but I think, the value of Aaron Jones this year was shown not because Aaron Jones is, like, the best running back on the planet, but because the gap behind him was so wide. Uh-huh. When you took him out of the equation, it's like, right. oh, A.J. Dillon, especially on turf, like, it's just not—there's no explosion there. So how do the Packers get their hands on someone explosive, I would assume, in later rounds? Like, I know it's it's kind of a, a taboo thing to take a running back high, although the Lions did it. You know, it worked out well for them. It so. did work out for so d- well for them. Tell me about some running backs that maybe the Packers, Packers fans could get excited about. Yeah,
2: you know— <sighs> Running back rooms are interesting because on paper, you look at Aaron Jones and you look at A.J. Dillon, and you go, wow, what a great compliment. Mm-hmm. What a great one, too, right? Different strengths. You know, you can play different guys in different situations. And, you know, there was a point in time when A.J. Dillon was one of the highest-graded rushers that we had at PFF just because he was utilized in short-yarded situations. And mm-hmm. our grades are based on doing your job and put in a context. position to succeed. Correct, right. But, you know, when, like you said, like if Aaron Jones is ever out, Okay, well, now all of a sudden you're asking him to do like Aaron Jones things. It's not going to work out well. You know, when you talk about a guy that they should target, I think Marshawn Lloyd from USC is, I think he'd be perfect for them. Okay. I, I think that he is a. Really athletic back. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, tears his ACL his first year in college when he was in South Carolina. So second year, I mean, he's just kind of coming back from that ACL. Third year, he's a starter there. Ends up switching over to USC this past year, and he put on a show. I think that they were really able to spread the field out a little bit for him, get him in more of a zone rushing, uh, blocking scheme. And so I, that just created a lot of good areas for him to show off his speed, his home run speed, his, his, his ability to hit cutback lanes, make guys miss in the open field, the force-miss tackle average is very high, and so that's somebody that I that I definitely think could be up there for them. As, as a compliment, that might not be a, as much of a drop-off stylistically. I also like Bucky Irving from Oregon. Okay. And he's played in a couple of big games this year, so your, your listeners probably are familiar with the name, but he is somebody, too, who, we have two metrics at PFF that I like to lean on a good amount when it comes to running back evaluation because okay. running that grade is generally pretty stable because it has to do with you doing your job. But the question is always, okay – how much of this is the offensive line versus how much of it is what you do, right? That's the yeah. tough part about running back value. But the two stats that we have, force missed tackles per attempt, okay? Mm-hmm. That's how often you make a guy miss in open space just from being elusive, Whether it's and that could be a broken tackle or it could be a juke move. It could yeah. be either one. Just missed tackles forced per attempt. Whether it's like brute force or speed on the outside. Correct, okay, correct. Same. It, could be, it could be any of them. Yep. Or the other one that I like, or I should say, and the other one that I like is yards after contact. So that is the offensive line, and that doesn't matter where it comes from, right? Because if you first experience contact two yards after the line of scrimmage, the offensive line did a great job. But Mm -hmm. if you get tackled immediately after you experience contact, that goes, okay, well, you didn't really do anything outside of your offensive line. So the offensive line made those two yards. Even
0: if it was a 12-yard carry. Right, like that's a great play, but if there's no yards after contact, that 12-yard carry isn't so much a measure a of, of for the running back. A lot of it has to do with yeah, yeah. the
2: offensive line, right, and that's, that, and that's able to contextualize or at least give a better value to because what is also valuable is, let's say, the blocking breaks down. Let's mm-hmm. say one guy in the offensive line ah, misses assignment, missed a guy coming in late, green double blitz, whatever it was, and the running back gets hit in the backfield. Well, if there's a four-yard gain after that, that's all the running back. That yeah. ain't that, that ain't the offensive line. Like, he's like he had to make the guy miss. He had to bounce off the tackle. Then he got the four yards. Yeah. So yards after contact and forced missed tackles per attempt are just two areas that we like to lean on to try to individualize rushing production when it comes to how we grade and rank those running backs. And both of those two guys, Marshawn Lloyd and uh, Bucky Irving— higher metrics in both of those categories that I think are more stylistically um, similar to what we see from Aaron Jones. And it was just so, like,
0: Matt LaFleur didn't really have a, he didn't have a feature back all year that he could use, and that's why I think, especially in October when the Packers were stuck in the mud, it's like, man, they, I, I like A.J. Dillon, like, he's a great Packer and fans love him, but, like, if he's your number one back for the entire game, like, Matt LaFleur, you saw when he had a healthy Aaron Jones down the stretch, it's like, oh, we can run zone read, and yes. even against good defensive fronts, like, Correct. he was, unbelievable last thing uh Packers fans are obsessed with the idea of Antoine Winfield Jr. in free agency mm-hmm. should we squash that now stay away okay cool, cool. <laughs> you just save me so much time on the show like that's great okay because no. this, this always happens in free agency we look at the lists and then half the guys never make it to free. Agency. So,
2: so I'll tell you this uh this offseason you might as well not even think about it he's getting tagged like, he, he's just – he's getting franchise tagged. They're not going to let him out of the building. Um, I think what's going to happen is they're going to figure out – Tampa, specifically. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure out what they need to do with Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. I think that Levante – not Levante, David. Uh, Devin White is going to walk. I think they're going to they're let him sign elsewhere. Um, they're going to get an extension done with Tristan Wirfs at some point this mm-hmm. offseason, and then next offseason is when they're probably going to give Antoine Winfield Jr. the actual extension. Gotcha. J- Jason Light is a fantastic general manager. He is somebody who has a great cap manager in Mike Greenberg. They, they're they not caught off guard by any of this stuff. They've been planning for yeah. the Antoine Winfield Jr. extensions, and so it, it does feel like because of all the money that they need to – sign this offseason they're probably going to give him the tag but they're not letting him out of Tampa so a lot of people you know they've talked about that with some fan bases are asking me about like Mike Evans you know because he's a great receiver still and Mike Evans might leave I, I still don't think that he's not but he might there's still a chance Winfield Jr. I think that it's close to zero because the cap hit for a tagged safety mm-hmm. is probably is less than like what you would need to sign him for cuz he's coming off of a defensive player of the he's year great. type of season he's so great. what he would get Per year in a new contract is probably closer to I think like twenty million, but like the cap, I believe, is somewhere around sixteen, seventeen. Sorry, when I say the cap, I mean the uh, 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 the franchise tag. Yeah, it's somewhere between sixteen and seventeen, so it's almost a little bit of a one year bargain for them to give him the franchise tag. So I think that they will, at the very least, do that with him.
0: You saved us a lot of time. We love the idea. Now we don't need to like we don't need to dig into what the contract
2: numbers would. Uh, we need to move Look, this money hey, around. You know what? Thank the, you.
0: The jersey swap edits are still going <laughs> to hit on social. Oh yeah. They so are. feel
2: free to. Find Fire those bad boys off good. anytime you need. Well, to. Fa- yeah,
0: yes, that's what we do as fans. But we'll we'll keep the detailed breakdowns to potential other free agents. Yes, that's right. That's Trevor, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Of this course, man. It was uh, it, it it was great uh, hanging out with you, chopping it up a little bit. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Yeah. Have a good one. That's Trevor Sickema, Twitter X Tampa Bay Trey, and he's their draft guy. Uh, so as the Packers prepare for a draft where they have bunch of firsts, bunch of seconds, bunch of thirds, uh, go or not a bunch of firsts, but seconds, thirds, fourths. This is a year where if you're like me. You watch the draft recreationally, ah, maybe a little more homework this year. It might be worth it because a lot of selections and a lot of needs and a lot of exciting players, as Trevor just outlined. Okay, long first segment. We'll take a three minute break, come back, and continue the Wisco Sports Show live from Radio Row next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs>
0: Sports show live from Radio Row Super Bowl LVIII. I I actually don't know what number that is. (laughs) I remember I went to Catholic elementary school, very traditional education, Uh, Catholicism, Catholic school, the one true faith, by the way. I was raised in the one true faith, Uh, and we learned Roman numerals at one time. Like, I could have told you one million. Six hundred thousand five hundred forty-three, and I could have written that out in letters. I also can write in cursive, very well. Good cursive. Not that I've ever used it. I remember, I remember learning cursive in elementary school. It's like, man, this this rips. Now I can write like an adult. Uh, and as my life has gone on, I that was a little bit of a scam, uh, but you know, good lesson learned. Yeah, LVIII. What is that? Fifty-eight. It hasn't been eight years since Super Bowl Fifty, has it? I think it think it might be 50 was what Broncos and Panthers somewhere in that neighborhood I remember when Super Bowl 50 happened because I remember talking with my dad about it and he's like man this would be such a cool year for the Packers to make the Super Bowl because they were in Super Bowl one you know full circle how cool would it be for them to be back you know kind of at this this consequential number 50 years later and they obviously did not make it back oh uh, which you know you can use that to describe the Packers really for the better part of you know 20 30 years now we thought oh this will be the year they get back and then they just haven't it feels like eight years since then since i had that conversation with my dad yeah lviii i I think that's 58 big thanks to trevor sykema from pro football focus for jumping on a little bit draft gave you some prospect names so if you want to start your homework for the draft i suppose that could begin in earnest if it hasn't already for you with the senior bowl and things you know as soon as the super bowl is over we'll be starting to talk about the combine and mock drafts so uh, go back in the podcast if you didn 't write those names down when Trevor said them in that last segment, well, you can go back in the podcast i 'll post the podcast tomorrow and I apologize to our podcast listeners because I know there 's a-, a chunk of the audience i don 't know how much of the audience it is i don 't want to like i don 't want to assume that hundreds of of people listen to the podcast like i well actually I do know I do know the numbers, but I know that there 's a lot of people that consume the show in in podcast form the next day, and this week the logistics are just a little bit tough because i 'm out here in las vegas and i don't have a lot of the amenities of the wozn studios like all the the data and all the audio and the you know the databases and stuff so evo is actually sending me the audio of the show so i can cut it up and so i can post it uh and he's going to be doing that the next morning so yesterday's show is up which if you're listening right now you're listening live you probably listened live yesterday but if you're a podcast listener it's just going to take a little bit longer this week it's not because i'm lazy i'm posting it quite literally as fast as I can everyone tweet at Ebo at Ebo says and says thank you thank you for helping Grant uh, with some of the things this week I really enjoyed talking to Trevor that guy kicks ass I love the pro football focus guys and I don't mean to act like I'm best friends with them I'm not but I book so many of them because Bill has so many guests his four his show is four hours long so throughout the football season you know every couple weeks let's ask Sam Monson to come on let's check in with him Uh, every couple of weeks let's hit up brad spielberger if he wants to talk about uh you know cap stuff especially brad's really good with that and brad is a chicago guy he's a bears guy so he can kind of give us that side and that point of view from the division uh by the way speaking of the bears uh i might as well plug this now on thursday we're gonna have khalil herbert on bears player bears running back so i don't know i want to ask about the packers bears rivalry but i want to do it in a way where it's not like, hey, I'm a Packers fan. You guys suck. <laughs> like I, it needs to be a little bit more delicate than that. So I'm, I'm figuring out the wording. I'm figuring out the question asking. But we will have Khalil Herbert, who's a Bears running back, coming up on Thursday. But as I was saying, Brad Spielberger, Bears fan. Eric Eager used to be a pro football focus. We've tapped him for his knowledge and his information so many times. So when I got out here this week, I wanted to go find Brad and Sam and Eric, who I've, I've met before, uh, but Matt as well, like all these guys who have contributed so much between Bill's show and my show. And these guys, they kick ass. They kick so much ass. They're just so football based. Like they just, they love it. They ooze football. They're happy to talk about it. Eric Eager, I think he told me he did more than a dozen radio hits yesterday. He was here at six thirty in the morning. He was here all the way through the evening. Like these guys just love talking football. So it's a treat for me to be able to meet them and thank them for you know coming on the air because you know i text and i call i like putting a face to the name and give it a nice firm handshake that's how we should operate in in this society but they're just they're really cool trevor was great i'd never talked to him never had him on before he's a really good guy he's a draft guy so check out his draft content through pro football focus right before trevor came over and sat down we were talking about the brewers new p- parking that they're that they're installing for the upcoming season and trevor's sitting down and i'm finishing making some points about hey even if you hate how obsessed the brewers are with tailgate culture and even if you think that they should get rid of half the parking lots green space community living liberal arts college like even if you vehemently hate and disagree with the way that the brewers handle the real estate around the stadium you kind of have to respect the commitment to the bit don't you Like, come on, even if you're anti-tailgate, and even if you think that land along 94 and around the stadium could be better utilized, you do have to throw your hands up and laugh at the Brewers' commitment to the bit, don't you? Like, game has to respect game on some level. Uh, We got news yesterday that the Brewers are going to use new technology that eliminates cashiers. It eliminates cash, it sounds like, on some level, which is probably smart, but also, like, I... I like the use of old greenbacks. Call me old-fashioned, but I still like going into a bar in downtown Lacrosse and sitting there and having a drink. And some young kid comes in, or some out-of-town yuppie like Ben Kenny from the East Coast. Sorry, Ben. I, ben didn't deserve that. Let me let me redact that. Some yuppie comes in from out of town and slaps some plastic on the counter at the helm on Third Street, and the bartender goes, "Buddy, <laughs> not no. Uh, there's an ATM right over there. Uh, you take that plastic, put that right back in your wallet. Grow up, buddy. Like I love cash-only bars." But, you know, needing to take cash to the ballpark, you already don't need it for concessions. You know, you're not using cash. Do they even take cash at the pro shop? I would imagine not. Like, there's basically no reason left to take cash to the ballpark. It might be a little bit of a nightmare, especially with fans who aren't technologically inclined. And I'm not super techie, so I don't pretend to be some sort of whiz. It's like, finally, we're getting getting with the times. Uh, No, I just think it's hilarious that the Brewers... You know, they're looking to make improvements. They're looking to grow in 2024. And the first story, and they did get a new scoreboard to their credit, but the biggest story so far has been parking. And Rick Schlesinger, I tweeted this quote out last night. This is just so funny. There are sports fans all over the country that will live their whole lives without having a a team that they cheer for as fun and as funny as the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Rick Schlesinger in a press release it says we're always considering how to improve the fan experience and entry into American family fields. Parking lots is a topic fans often raise. I'm not sure that that's true. I don't <laughs> look of, of my complaints. Let's think of our complaints about American family field. It gets hot and stuffy in there. Okay. Now that's part, part of the reality is they have a roof and the price that you pay for being able to see a game even when it's raining is it gets a little stuffy in there oh okay so that's a complaint i'm not really sure if there's anything to be done about that complaint but that's a complaint um the concessions closing a little early i don't know maybe that could be a complaint uh the obsession with x golf that could be a complaint again don't know really what you're gonna do about it the parking lot thing is it's really really interesting rick goes on to say rick schlesinger we're not on a first name basis mr schlesinger uh, the president of business operations for the Brewers. Yes, we're talking Brewers baseball and parking, tailgate culture at Radio Row. He continued, the ease of the new parking system will eliminate the need to stop and pay a cashier, which slowed ingress into the parking lots. Uh, ingress sounds like it's a word that doesn't belong. I just Which slowed entry into the parking lots. Ingress, it sounds sexual. I'm not going to lie, Mr. Schlesinger. And I'm left to believe, and others were tweeting about this last night, I'm left to believe that Rick Schlesinger. I, is there are there any sex therapists that are listening? Tweet me at Wisco Grant. Is there such a thing as a parking lot fetish, a parking fetish like parking ramps? Uh, is there a Reddit thread for, like, satisfying parking? A weird parking thing, a fun parking thing, is here at the Mandalay Bay, where we're broadcasting. We're actually at the convention center, but it's attached to the casino. So, like, I could be in the casino if I started walking right now in less than 10 minutes, which I think I'm going to go place a wager before I leave. I don't know. Should I put some money? Should I let it ride on the bucks tonight? Probably not. Would go against everything I stand for. But the parking garage here at Mandalay Bay is cool because there's a little light above every parking spot. And if it's empty, the light is green. So when you look down a really long aisle in a parking garage and you can't really tell which spots are full and not, you just look up at the ceiling and if you see a green light, there's a space. Pretty cool. And I would like to think that if Rick Schlesinger were to come to Vegas and be plopped into one of these lots, he'd be like, son of a bitch, how do we integrate this? How do we how do we do this? Because the Brewers, led by Rick Schlesinger, who is just spearheading and, and, and um, what's the word? Grandstanding on tailgating culture. Like, this, this this, fascination with optimizing the parking experience, it's just really funny. And even if you hate the idea of tailgating and you think all those parking lots on that land, it's, it's a bad use of the space. Okay, but you have to tip your cap. And you have to admit that this is just, it's just, it's hilarious. It's, it's content. It rules so, so hard. And for all the people that I see tweeting and commenting on Facebook or around a story like this, everyone's like, well, it takes forever to get out of the parking lot. How are we going to fix that? I don't know, you know 40,000 people all drive their car to a game. It's going to take a while. I don't I don't know if there's some secret sauce. Here here's a tip. If you need to leave in a hurry, take a shuttle from one of the bars, okay? Cuz I, I think they could spend millions on trying to optimize the flow of traffic and building entrances and exits. Guys, there's 40,000 people there's not 40,000 people at every game, but there is 10, 20, 30,000 people driving in cars in trucks to American family feel on any given game especially on the weekend it's going to it's going to take some time to get out it's just the re, it's the reality of large events and parking your car at large events but yet the brewers are chasing they're chasing the neon rainbow of parking perfection and i just think it's so damn funny i want to talk about some football things yes football super bowl radio rail, wisco sports show we're going to take a 5 minute break come back peter Bukowski will join us in hour number 2 Obviously, lots of good Super Bowl conversations, NFL conversations to have. But this Brewers parking thing is just so hilarious. And it wouldn't be the Wisco Sports Show if this topic was not addressed. And I I need to stay true to myself and keep the show true to itself, even when we're out here in Las Vegas. Five minutes. Tweet me if you want to be part of the show, at Wisco Grant. Sorry about the no phone calls this week. We'll get back to to that next week, and I can't wait. Five minutes, and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bill's on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're live at Radio Row. This is. Sick. That's how basically every conversation with a guest has started this week. I'm just like, look at this. Isn't this sick? Uh, how much does this kick ass? Look around. Look where we are. You know what I mean? Peter Rakowski speaking I guess. Going to join us at 5 o'clock. Coming up in just about 15 minutes. He's been breaking some news. The Leap. Him and Jason have really reported... A lot of things along the the process of Jeff Hafley becoming the defensive coordinator related to assistant coaches and scheme, and and Pete will be able to break this down much better than I. But we can read the tea leaves of which assistant coaches are staying, which coaches are leaving. Right, we can kind of look at the calculus of what the Packers and what Jeff Hafley has done so far, and we can think, okay. We can now safely assume that they might be running a little bit more of this scheme. We can safely assume that they might be looking for players uh, like this guy or that guy, right? We can start to kind of maybe make some assumptions and make some guesses. Uh, now, we don't know everything for sure, right? We don't know with absolute certainty kind of what the Packers will do and, and in which ways the defense will look different. But we can make some assumptions, I think, safely, especially with some of the reporting that Peter has done. We'll talk more about it with with peter and he'll kind of help us color in some of the gaps and, and maybe make some of these assumptions about what the packers defense will look like moving forward i thought trevor a pro football focus who joined us about a half hour ago made a really good point about joe barry and i was talking to him earlier today because you know i, I introduced myself I was like hey man I'd, I'd love to have you on you're one of the pff guys that i haven't i haven't met i haven't had a chance to talk to different voice on the show a little different for super bowl week would be a blast. And we got to talking about Joe Barry, and he said, well, I, I'm a Tampa Bay guy. I, I love Joe Barry. He's my hero because that was Baker Mayfield's best game of the year. He had perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. They were just hot. Packers could do nothing to stop them. And we are having a really honest conversation about Joe Barry. Vagabond John, who's, again, possibly losing the plot. We'll talk more. We'll have a break from calls this week. We'll readdress with Vagabond John this upcoming week. But he would have loved this conversation because it's like, look, I don't – Really know how much better the Packers' defense could have been, and he said something that I've said all along: like even the best defenses are going to have bad games, terrible games, right? Even elite defenses will have a game where they give up thirty and they can do nothing right, because the the nature of defense, unlike offense, you're guessing, you're predicting. And I remember at a very young age, and I played basketball, little dribblers or whatever it was, you know, the, the coaches say and, and this is probably true with lots of levels of basketball, it's a common thing for coaches to say, the defense is always wrong, right? You're chasing, you're guessing, you're predicting. The offense is dictating the terms, right? So it's the defense, you're reacting. And even the best, the most talented, the well-coordinated defenses, if you get against an opponent that's hot and they're feeling good and they have a little luck on their side, you know, you can make all the right calls and you can have the right game plan. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Uh, So even the best defenses can have bad weeks. And I've said a couple of times over the last few weeks, ever since the Packers' defense or the Packers' season has ended, is like, look, they had a terrible fourth quarter against the Giants, a really bad game against the um, brain fart, the Buccaneers, and then a bad game against the Panthers. Other than that, I think by and large across the course of their season, they were just fine, especially as the talent kind of atrophied over the year, the Rasul Douglas trade, the Jair Alexander injury then turned suspension, I think they were actually okay. But Trevor said something earlier on the show, if you missed it, it'll be in the podcast, Sometimes things get stale, and sometimes players get hopeless. And I, I don't think that's to say that players quit on Joe Barry. I think when you say it's it's hopeless, I, I don't think that's— I don't think that's—they didn't quit on Joe Barry. They just started to think, okay, we get the scheme. We understand what we're trying to do. It's just—you're not excited about it anymore. You're not buying into it anymore. And, you know, you could say, if, if you're a, you know, a personal accountability guy, as I often am— Right? I, I, a lot of times I put the onus on the players. It's like, look, if, even if your coach isn't perfect, you got to do your job, you got to compete. You know, maybe you could say that the players, well, it doesn't matter if you buy it or you're excited about it, you have a job to do. Oh, okay. But I think a, a, this is a cliche, but a new voice, a new MO. Just a new everything to lighten things up, a new challenge a la Craig Council, right? I'll, I'll use that tagline that Craig Council used a lot going to the Cubs. And unlike when Craig Council used it, when I'm using it, it actually makes sense. A new challenge, a different type of defense, something for these guys to, to rally around and to sink their teeth into. Um, at, like I think of, you know, when you're in college. And you switch semesters. It's like, okay, we're still getting up every day and going to class. We're still dealing with homework and projects. But now everything's different. Like, I, I feel like I can sink my teeth into something else. Or when you start a new job, right, you're still going to a 9 to 5 every day, right? You're still getting up. You're still commuting. You're doing all of the work things that we don't really love to do. But sometimes when you start a new job, it's like, oh, everything's different. Like, this is great. I, I feel remotivated. I feel real energized and, and even if I believe to a lesser degree than Vagabond John the conductor of the Joe Barry hype train, uh, who I guess is living rent-free in my head because I've referenced him a couple times this week. I I think Joe Barry did probably the best he could have with his talent and and injury and suspension situation with the trade, but I think a new challenge and something new for a lot of these players to sink their teeth into, and new's good because it's a very new off-season and very new Packers. Getting a lot younger, starting to turn the page, uh, on the Aaron Rodgers, Aaron, I think it's the right time for a change. So we'll talk about that. Peter Bukowski going to be here at five o'clock. We got to get one more break in. Wisco Sports Show live from Radio Row. We'll be back in three minutes.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Show it's got a couple minutes before we break here at five o'clock. We'll bring Peter Bukowski into the mix, the largest aggressor on Packers Twitter. He is here on Radio Row and dressed very nicely, might I add. I told that to Thomas Dimitrov yesterday, whose former GM of the Falcons was a great guest. And if you missed yesterday's show, the podcast was posted earlier today. It's finally up. Sorry, it's going to take just a little bit longer this week with the logistics of remote broadcasting and the time change and everything that's going on here at the Super Bowl. Uh, and now that I'm returning to what I was actually saying, I forgot completely what I was talking about. Uh, Peter Bukowski. Oh, yeah, Thomas Dimitrov yesterday. I said, Thomas, I watch your show with Eric all the time. You are one styling and profiling son of a bitch, and it's completely different. Like, your sensibilities, like, I look at Goody. Goody comes to the podium in uh, a vest or a windbreaker and the glasses on the lanyard around the neck, like Midwestern sensibilities to the nines. And I don't know if Thomas was expecting someone to comment on his attire, and he laughed. But like, I don't know if a guy's well dressed. I'm, I'm not too proud to tell him. And I, I'll tell Peter that when he comes over. It's like you are, you are one styling, well dressed son of a bitch. I have a, I have a crew neck on today. It's not that I look bad. Uh, I just, I, I'm not on the level with some of these other people here. I, I need to step my game up. Maybe tomorrow. My problem is, is I brought one button up shirt. I got at a thrift store in Port Washington, which the thrift store in Port Washington. And Grafton and Cedarburg, like that's just the, that's just the normal store, in in other areas. as I'm saying it's the thrift store in the rich areas is just the normal store, and the other I won't say poor because poor isn't fair, but like in other areas, and it looks exactly like a shirt that Mike Clemens brought this week, and I'm like, well, I can't. Like, I can't wear the same shirt as Mike. So I'm kinda I'm kind of up a creek. Maybe I'll buy another button-up shirt, but like the nicest shirt I brought, it's like a Mike Clemens shirt. Clone. By the way, Mike Clemens didn't go to bed last night. I came down at six o'clock getting ready to leave for Bill's show. He was sitting at the kitchen table working. Fascinated. And I am a couple days into brooming with Mike Clemens, I'm left with more questions than answers. We'll talk more about this next. Peter Bukowski, Wisco Sports Show back in two minutes. instead of my boss is listening, I mean, send me. I want to go and I want to try to meet famous people. The radio
1: show won't be very good, but I'd like. <laughs> I'd love to go. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports: Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: Wisco Sports Show last hour for the day. Peter Bukowski is here. Peter, you are all over the place. You're interviewing coaches, you stop by earlier to talk with Bill, you're connecting with everybody. You're in your element here. It's been a pleasure to be with you and to meet you in person.
3: Hi. Uh, well, it has been great to meet you in person, taller than I anticipated, which is what everyone says about me. So, you're 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 a formidable – presence. Let me yeah, put you Well, in.
0: your Twitter says largest aggressor, and I think that
3: translates well, that to real has, life, too. That you. has nothing to do with my size and <laughs> everything to do with how a certain former uh, Packers fullback feels about my attitude toward Aaron Rodgers. Um, That's right. Yeah. I never put two and two together. He literally
0: tweeted that about me. That you're the largest He's, aggressor? You're Aaron's
3: largest aggressor. That's what the, that, is, that is the <laughs> quote.
0: You know – as someone who who feels a lot of the, the same things about Aaron Rodgers, the takes have aged really well. It's now kind of become public belief.
3: Well, it's not just that. I, I was talking to um, uh, uh, I, I'll say a Green Bay sports media person who I just won't name because I, he didn't. Don't do it. He didn't let me do that. But he was he was talking <laughs> to some Jets fans, friends of his. And they were just like, they have had the same arc with Aaron Rodgers, where they're just sort of like, we're done with this guy already. And they, he's played six snaps. It's unbelievable. Well, and,
0: and that was part of, not to spend all of our time on Aaron Rodgers, but that was part of, like, the be careful what you wish for when he went there, because we have all this history with him, right? right? And, like, Damian Lillard was similar. These players that are in one place for a long time, and for whatever reason they part ways, you go to a new place, there's not all that shared history together. So
3: there's a lot less patience. Well, and, you know, Jets fans have been so, so... Um, Just they've been waiting, yeah, waiting and waiting and waiting. And so you convince yourself, and it's sort of like Bears fans with Justin Fields, not to get all my my um, just all the horses out here now. (laughs) Um, like they convinced themselves Justin Fields was the man, Mm -hmm. and so they cannot conceive of a world where that's no longer the case. And that has that has forced some of them to like die on this hill. And it's like, guys. You get a new hill. Caleb Williams. Yeah. It's a wonderful hill. It's a good hill. Go die on that hill. A lot of runway on that Instead hill, Instead of this other. Yeah, there's plenty. Oh, there's mountains. That is a vertiginous it's a range. hill. It's a yeah. range. The, what, what, what they have. The, the Justin Fields is like little Switzerland, the, the ski hill. Like That's what that is. Cascade, if we're being generous. Cascade Mountain? Yeah, we're not even talking about Rib Mountain here. I'm that's, talking about Cascade. It's not even Rib anymore. I love What's it. What's it called now? Granite Peak? Granite Peak, and I skied there a couple weeks ago.
0: How's the snow? Uh, it was great. It was right after we got like a foot. It has all since melted, and before that, we it was good timing. It was well timed. I just put it that way. Cascade has its place. Uh, I just I love the references. You're reporting, by the way, at the leap on this defensive coordinator change. The staff, hmm. the scheme has been excellent. Let's talk about it. So, what have you reported? What do we know? And. And, you know, these hires and the, these things that we've seen, how can that color our assumptions about maybe what this defense looks like?
3: Yeah, it started um, last uh, last weekend. I got I got some information that um, Jason Rebovich, the outside linebackers coach, was going to be promoted um, uh, to defensive line coach. And um, the reason that that's happening is because they wanted to streamline the staff and... Uh, allow ease of communication. And I think part of that stems from, my understanding is, um, Jerry Montgomery, who's no longer with the organization, was not in love with some of the things going on with Joe Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, either were you or I. And so that's understandable. Um, but so in this 4-3, different kind of scheme, and that's when they clued me in. They're like, okay, there's speculation about what it's going to look like. The 49ers is the is the comp. It's the model. The Sala, D'Amico Ryans, when Jeff Halfley was, was with those teams. And um, that meant Jerry Montgomery was going to be out. And my understanding at that time was he was going to be allowed to interview for other jobs, but they were filling his job. So it's one of those things where they're like, "You're not fired, but we hired someone to do your job." You know? Yeah. And that's that's and that and I know people professionally who have been there. They've just said, "You know what? In 6 months, you better have a new job yeah. because you Look. will not be here. Yeah, start looking, you know?" That's funny. Um, and so then you know, I, I floated um, Vince Ogabasi, who is the, um, the the defensive line coach at Boston College, um, that was a name when I had heard it. It was not a done deal, so I couldn't report that it was done. But he was—they were like, "Hey, you know, keep an eye on this name." Now we now we have pretty pretty solid reporting that that's going to be um, what we get here, and then that um, the the, the ers scheme is is how this is going to look. If you're a Leap subscriber, you already knew that a week ago, um, and so it, it is going to necessitate changes. I mean, that's just the reality. And and I thought it was so weird um, when they replaced Mike Patton with Joe Barry and changed nothing else. Yeah. And it's like it can't be the case that all of these other position coaches are just killing it and the play caller is the only problem. Yeah, Like that just can't be true. Yep. And now plenty of, th- plenty of things have turned over since then. Jerry Gray um, and Mike Smith left with Mike Patton. And so some things changed, but not because the Packers wanted them to change. Um, they changed because Mike Smith wanted to leave to go to Mike Patton with Mike Patton. Jerry Gray left because he didn't want to be with Joe Barry anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this makes a lot more sense to, you know, you're, you're going to have um, someone that Halfley knows on the defensive line, which is an important piece of this. And then um, the Anthony Campanelli hire, if you watched Hard Knocks a couple years ago. Uh, he was, he is like a Sopranos character. Everyone, everyone loves this hire from what the I read. The F-bombs are tremendous just for the, just for the vibes. <laughs> yeah. Grant, the, 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 the vibes. Um, he's got immaculate facial hair, just like Matt LaFleur. You, by the way, you have very good facial hair as well. Thank I'll you. Tip, I'll tip my cap Thank for you. Thank you. It's uh, outstanding. It's not as nice as your mustache, but um, the, he is a very well-respected linebackers coach. Um when we put together at the leap a long list, Jason Hershorn is our our go to coach guy on that, and and he had Campanile on a, on a long list of um, defensive coordinators who probably were not going to be considered, but like were hot names, and he is one of those guys. Vince, Vic Fangio wanted to bring him to Philly. He interviewed in New York for the defensive coordinator job, so this was a guy who's got some heat on him. Um, if he does well, um, that that has a lot of. Um, it could he could be a defensive coordinator in a year or two and that's that's the I think that's the the best mark of a defensive staff when you go okay if Jerry Montgomery leaves is he getting a defensive coordinator job no he's getting a lateral job Joe Barry is a step down he's taking the linebackers job in Miami for reasons that are unclear to me um, and so you didn't have I mean this was I think you and I had this discussion on your show if if Joe Barry gets fired midseason who do you go to and to not have an answer is pretty damning yes. And I think now with Halfley, like, I, I don't think we, we should expect him to be on the hot seat in a year or two. But now they have some guys, Campanile especially. In case we need to fire him right away. No. You're, you need <laughs> I, to. I know you, you need to I know, I know. Yeah. You need to have guys on staff who people think are good. Yeah. It's good to have good coaches, Grant. I don't know if yeah. you know this about football. Yeah. So... It's really not they're, that they're complicated. Trying to, no, no. They're trying to revamp the, the staff. And, and you go back to whatever you want to say about Mike McCarthy, and there's plenty to be said. Joe Philbin got a head coaching job off of being on Mike McCarthy's staff. A lot of the guys on, not, on those staffs ended up in in jobs, and they're still coaching. Alex Van Pelt is still coaching. Luke Getzey is still coaching. Van Pelt's New England now? Is that New right? New England, yeah. The, 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 New England is becoming Packers East. Is Elliot Wolf there now too? Elliot Wolf is, yep. is de facto GM right now. That's right. Um, and and uh, there's one other. Uh, there's someone else that I'm missing. Someone
0: else. We both just paused to think about it. We have, we have it. Yeah, look it up. Well, t- to build onto what you were saying about coaching, I love Matt. Lef- oh, Ben McAdoo. Oh, oh yeah. How could we How could we forget I, Ben McAdoo? How could we forget him? Who was the head coach of the Giants as well? So correct. I, I like Matt Lafleur, and I, God, I get what a terrible hire. I get, yeah, I get. There's this idea. It's like, well, the defense coordinator. Think of Spags uh, or other, like Wade Phillips with McVeigh, a guy with head coaching experience who's kind of now fallen back into the role of a coordinator. And I think there, there's definitely a lot of people have succeeded with that kind of hire. I love the idea, especially with a younger team and a team that's turning a page into a new era. Let's find young guys, or, or I guess it doesn't matter what age they are, guys on the way up. They're looking to get in here, be great, and then take the next step, right? I don't I, like. I want guys who are who are going to get hired and poached away so we can bring in other guys with fresh ideas and new. That's what a good company does, right, is we're always bringing in new ideas and, and guys are succeeding and going elsewhere. That's what's healthy.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you also, though, want guys who can survive in inclement weather. So professionally. So someone like um, Campanile was hired by Brian Flores. Mike, M- Mike McDaniel comes in and decides to keep Campanile. Vic Fangio comes in. He is allowed to leave, and they wanted to. They wanted him back. He was surviving. And in fact, Vic These Fangio changes. wanted him in um, uh, Philadelphia. So those kinds of traits are also really crucial. And that's, I think, Christian Parker in Denver. That was one of the reasons why the Packers um, and we had this. Um, at the lead, multiple sources told us that the backers were interested in in bringing him on in some sort of passing game coordinator kind of role um if he wasn't going to get the that that top job so it's it's nice that he's one of those guys who survived multiple you know Vic, from from Vic Fangio to um Nathaniel Hackett to um, Vance Joseph and he was basically teaching Vance Joseph's defense while Vance Joseph was saying okay look we're going to do the Fangio stuff and then you know, um, trying to sprinkle in some of the Vance Josephy stuff. So it's it's um it's going to be a, a staff of, I think all guys like under 45. It's it's like the whole team is going to be the youngest team, coaching staff, the youngest players. Like they're just going all in on this youth movement, and I think it's it's a, uh, an experiment that is really worthy. Yeah, I loved it with the wide receivers and
0: tight ends when it started to work. Like, I don't want to revise history. No, in October, and, it
3: was like, what are
0: they doing? Well, this is a nightmare. well and then they all figured out how to play wide receiver and tight end, and, and once this guy figured out how to do it, it put this guy in a better... And it was the snowball effect, right? Now Jordan Love can play with more confidence because he knows where guys are going to be, and they can run routes with more... And It just snowballed and snowballed, and they got red hot. Is the goal of this offseason, and I talked about this with Trevor Sikama, who's great with draft stuff at PFF, is the goal of this offseason to do corner and safety what they just did with wide receiver and tight end last thing for
3: you i think it could be um i i wouldn't rule out another pass catcher early i wouldn't rule out a running back early i wouldn't rule out an offensive tackle early i think if they if they wanted to go that way they certainly could i think they're going to draft multiple defensive backs like i think two three four defensive backs very much in play here brian Gudekinst, when they have a need he attacks it with multiple picks and i for, for me that's safety although i said on bill show earlier I like Jonathan Owens and Rudy Ford as strong safeties in this defense. I like – I actually – I think Keyshawn Nixon should be the free safety of this team. Um, And I think Darnell Savage is the slot. Like, I would switch those guys. I would just flat out switch their positions. And Brian Gutekinds hinted at this, Grant, when he said, we're going to have to have some conversations about where guys play. That's – to me, that's not like, oh, you're a box safety versus a deep safety because every safety now has to be everywhere. Yeah it's about what position are you playing quay walker are you going to play some sam outside linebacker i think we're going to see some of that stuff and so that that um is intriguing because that's the way the league is going okay what can we watch for lockdown
0: packers the leap like what are you producing here at the super bowl that we can consume this week
3: tons of stuff um this week coaches players uh media people um trying to get some some more intel as we try and figure out what's going on with this this uh c- coaching carousel everyone's everyone's got takes the coaches, it's been a hot topic of conversation with Dan Quinn and, and Mike McDonald and all the stuff going on here. So everyone everyone wants to talk a little bit about something like that. So It's really interesting. It played out in a way that
0: most people didn't expect. We always think, well, this guy will have a job tomorrow if he leaves. And then those guys not always getting jobs. Like that was McCarthy. Um, and then Vrabel. Don't, yeah. ex- don't expect Mike Vrabel in Green Bay. It's not coming. He's not. He's not it's he's it's not. probably not going to be it. And Jim Leonard, like all these names that we grab onto as fans. I don't know what the future holds for Jim Leonard it'll be interesting but I can't wait to see what you do if you're at the casino you need a running mate whatever hit hit me up this week I'm I'm red hot I'm up $30 $35 nice let's go thank you let's go thank you Peter thanks right yeah he was on with Bill earlier today that'll be in the podcast uh and it was it was outstanding so go follow his work at Peter Bukowski the largest aggressor as John Kuhn once called him this is gonna be a really exciting and fun offseason for the Packers I mean I'm gonna get into the draft Uh, like I watched the draft and read about the guys once the packers pick the guys my problem is i've never been able to sink my teeth on a deeper level into the draft past really like pick 15 so once you get past that then it's just it's it's harder my brain my brain probably has the capacity for it it's it's probably a matter of of me being lazy and not wanting to learn about 50 60 70 players like i can learn about 15 like the top ten, when I'm watching the draft, I'm all over it. Like the, the top ten, top fifteen, I think it's to pick twenty. It's like okay, I'm gonna like the draft will be on in the house, but I'm gonna like go do some stuff in the kitchen. I'm gonna like pull out my laptop and work on some other things. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll Twitter. Um, and this year, I think that reality is is gonna change a bit for me. And I'm probably not the only one. Like the Packers have two seconds, they have two thirds, they have two fourths. They have a ton of picks in the top 100. And not really any glaring needs they need to address. I, glaring is, I think, the, the important word in that statement because I think the Packers have a big need at corner and at safety. M- might not be guys that start Week One next year. Like, if, if you're using uh, need as a mechanism to say they need someone to straight up, play, like they don't have corners, right? Like, like whoever they draft will be starting Week One next year. Okay, they, they don't, they don't, have, they don't have needs like that. But I think they have a a huge need for bodies at corner. And it's a position you need bodies. I mean, how many times, you know, dealing with injuries, a a suspension out of nowhere for Jair Alexander. But 2021, that NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers, right? we We all, you know, remember you know a different part of that game I, I most recently as i age with this game think more and more about that Devonte adams drop touchdown and i look back and i'm like man i wasn't pissed off enough about that in the moment and kevin king giving up that score before half really a massive part of that game and the packers inability to get stops at home against tom brady in that offense was kevin king was banged up right and they didn't really have a better body to put out there uh, you suppose you could have put out old Tremont Williams. Maybe that would have been worth a shot. I think lots of Packers fans would probably say that that was worth a shot. Like, I would have tried it because Kevin King was obviously not available to go. Uh, but we've seen with the Packers before, like, they don't need a starter. They don't need their number one guy. You get into the playoffs, and all of a sudden, Rashid Walker is dinged, and the backup isn't nearly as good, or Kevin King isn't 100% healthy, and there's not a trustworthy option to put in there instead the Packers need bodies at corner, need bodies at safety. And they might, like, look, they might need another wide receiver, another pass catcher. Pete said he wouldn't rule that out. I wouldn't either. And earlier on in the show, we were talking to Trevor. He mentioned Mike Evans. Mike Evans might leave Tampa Bay. He was much more open and and understanding to that possibility than he was to Antoine Winfield Jr., which is who I originally asked him about. I think Mike Evans fits the mold of a player that the Packers should look to acquire. Look, look at all these teams who have gone from a peppy, young, exciting nine-win team to a, a legit bona fide Super Bowl contender. Because that's what the Packers are trying to do, right? So think of the Lions last year. Think of the Eagles from two years ago to last year. They end up making the Super Bowl and losing. Think of the Dolphins when they were kind of up and coming. And then what did they do? They acquire Tyree Hill. What did the Eagles do? They acquire A.J. Brown. I don't think the Packers are going to give up big-time draft capital to acquire a player like that because i think they love their group of young pass catchers and we have mountains mount rib mountains as peter said rib mountains of evidence that the packers like their wide receivers to block they don't like diva they don't like oddball cornball diva wide receivers they had no interest in george pickens they've had no interest in some of these guys the packers are not going to bring a a, a diva self-centered like wide receiver who's into himself. But they might bring in someone like Mike Evans is actually I think a a really really interesting possibility if he leaves Tampa depending on how much money he gets because he could be the veteran. He's won a Super Bowl. He's set records. He's built his resume. He's put together kind of his his career um statistical profile. It's not to say that he doesn't have anything left to prove. But Mike Evans, I would like to think at this point of his career is over himself, and he could come in and be the veteran, the nifty veteran in a group of young guys that could win in the red zone, that could win on fourth down. And I think in this postseason, we saw so many instances in these playoff games of the the factor, the winning factor, the game flipping on who could succeed in the red zone. Right? I think moving in between the 20s was not a problem for Ben Johnson and the Lions. It was not a problem for Matt LaFleur and the Packers. It was not a problem. It, was, it wasn't was a problem for the Ravens, I, I, candidly. I, I know their offense was stuck in the mud, but they were getting into the red zone. Zay Flowers was on the goal line. Lamar Jackson threw the ball into the end zone, into triple coverage. It was picked. It was just a terrible play. And, and I talked about this, if not last week, the week before. I, th- I think it was last week, right? All of these hot shot offensive coordinators and all of these great schemes, Ben Johnson, Matt LaFleur... Um, Todd Monken with the Ravens, Kyle Shanahan, obviously, with the Niners. We we love our hotshot offensive coordinators, and they're succeeding at such a high level, and these schemes are succeeding at such a high level. But sometimes you get down into the red zone, and it's about two guys, quarterback, wide receiver, or quarterback, running back, quarterback, tight end, making a play outside of structure. Because it's really hard to scheme a guy open in a phone booth, right, in the red zone. It's really hard to do. So sometimes, and I, I know we have spent a lot of the last year being so, so happy that we have a quarterback that sticks to the script. Sometimes in the red zone, the script doesn't work. And you need a little wink and a nod between Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson or Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams probably dropped the ball, uh, at least if it's in an NFC championship game. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming more angry about that. We're years removed. And, and retroactively, I'm becoming more upset about that drop touchdown from Devontae Adams. But I think we learned in this playoff run for a lot of different teams, these games are made or break in, broken in the red zone. Because sometimes you can't scheme guys open in a little six-yard window uh, on third and goal from the six-yard line. So you need a guy to make a play. Mike Evans could be that guy. I think Mike Evans, depending on his availability and cost and all of those things, of course, makes a lot more sense for the Packers than taking a pass catcher in the first or second round to be a new number one. I want some guy who's who's got it figured out. Coming in because I, I love a, a lot of the young prospects on this team. I, I don't necessarily need another one, but I take a proven thing. Especially, it means winning on in the red zone, winning on fourth down, and, and being a veteran presence. And it would follow kind of the same steps. You know, Miami trading for Tyree Kill, the Eagles trading for AJ Brown, so on and so forth. Let's take a three-minute break. The Wisco Sports Show live from Radio Row, Super Bowl LVII, which I think is fifty-eight. I could be wrong. I could have googled it by now. It's obviously not that important to me to know. Otherwise, I would have looked it up. Days ago, when we got here, let's take a three minute break. We'll continue the Wisco Sports Show next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: wisco sports show appreciate you being here listening can tweet along with the show at wisco grant no phone calls this week and i am sorry i'm only so sorry because there's not that much i could do we're live at radio row the super bowl and i wasn't gonna bring a a full phone system and you know all that we don't have a producer there's nobody back in studio i'm just i'm just i'm at the helm i'm playing music off of my phone i got one laptop this is this this rips looking at the uh, NBC set, folks from Peacock, Florio. Chris Russo was over there earlier. Chris Sims, Peter King. Uh, we got Fox Sports Radio back into my right. It's really funny because Pat McAfee's set is here. And Kay Adams, her set is here, the FanDuel setup. And I think McAfee's going to be here at some point this week. I guess I don't know. I, I haven't been watching a show. And, uh, again, he has me blocked on Twitter for making jokes about the Brewers, which... I guess perhaps I deserved. Uh, I, I don't know. The jury's out on that. Uh, it was nothing malicious. I have nothing against Pat McAfee, but his set is here, and Kay Adams' set is here for what is it called? Good morning. It's not Good Morning Football, and I like Kay Adams, so it's like I, I don't mean to disrespect her by not knowing the name of the show, but I thought she would be here, and I thought Pat McAfee would be here. But actually, as I've walked by and I've I've taken a look at their show while it's on, <laughs> it's really funny because the guests are all here, so the guests go sit at the set. And then Kay Adams was like zooming in to the show and Pat McAfee zooming in to the show, which is which is backward, which is really funny and backwards and pretty hilarious. It's like, hey, we're going to be at Super Bowl. The host won't be there, but the producers and the set and the guests will be. And I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll zoom in. And I would imagine at some point this week, Mac, if you will be here, and I think Kay Adams will probably be here as well. But it's early on in the week and it's really funny. You walk by, it's like, oh, so everyone involved with the show producers the set and the guests they're all here but the the actual host the main star of the (laughs) main star of the show is not which is really funny you can tweet me to join the show at wisco grant tom says i haven't skied cascade or rib mountain since rib mountain was still called rib mountain i skied rib well i think the i think the physical mountain the physical hill itself i could be wrong i'm no expert in central wisconsin I believe the mountain itself is still called Rib Mountain. I think the resort itself is called Granite Peak. So it's like Granite Peak at Rib Mountain. You know how they do it with stadiums. It's like so-and-so field at uh, like Mile High, like Empower Field at Mile High Stadium. That's how that works, right? Um <laughs> Like it was, it's Granite Peak at Rib Mountain. Look at it that way. That's the that's the coolest thing Pete's done on the show, and Pete's been on the show probably a dozen times, and it's always good information. But the ski hill references, I, I could not emphasize enough to Peter uh, when he texted me, "Thanks for having me on." It's like, dude the ski the ski references that's that's what we thrive on on the show. If only he would have mentioned Kadot, Wisconsin, which is probably my favorite town to reference uh, as as a little bit of a. A little bit of the butt of every joke on the Wisco Sports Show, uh, which I like. Matt tweets in, Matt and Cross Plains. What's up, Matt? He says, correct, Grant, on Rib Mountain. Yeah, like the, the mountain itself is still Rib Mountain. The Ski Hill, which I think is owned by the same company that like, owns the ski resort in Vail, and they own Afton Alps just across the St. Croix from Wisconsin on your way to the Twin Cities. I think all of these resorts are now owned by Time West, you know, out west ski hills because honestly they're they're probably the only companies that are large enough to operate these things i don't know if you've noticed we don't get a ton of snow anymore (laughs) like we uh if if you were starting over you probably would not build ski hills in wisconsin just like like the snowmobile trails they're not often open yeah i think of eric on 990 he's got to go all the way up to pert near cable and what does he call lake namakon lake Lake vietnamakon that's of all of the expressions and phrases used on the show, I, that's that might not be my favorite, but it's up there. Thank you for the tweets, Matt, Tom. Appreciate you. Matthew says, you got to get to Trollhagen and Dresser. Never been to Trollhagen, never been to Coffee Mill. Um, what's the one up in Bruce? Christie Mountain? I've been to Christie Mountain. Look, Mount LaCrosse, it's not like they advertise on the show. No free ads. We're a big-time show. We're at the Super Bowl, for God's sake. But Mount LaCrosse for... A town the size of La Crosse. Mount La Crosse is pretty kick-ass. I love Mount La Crosse. It's got kind of an old-timey feel, too. Like, sometimes you go to ski resorts now, and the chalet doesn't feel like a chalet. What happened to my Scandinavian-feeling chalet? It's supposed to look and smell a certain way in there. And now I go to big-time ski resorts. Like Granite Peak, it just doesn't it don't feel the same. It doesn't feel like a ski hill or a chalet is supposed to feel. Uh, but Mount Lacrosse does. And all the ski lifts, like the green benches, and it's built into the bluff. So I, I'll go to bat for Mount Lacrosse. Never been to Trollhagen, never been to Coffee Mill. Uh, never been to, what's the one outside of Madison? Um, not uh, Devil's Head, the other one. Tyrol Basin. I've never been to Tyrol Basin. Can't speak to Tyrol Basin, but I can speak to some others. Thank you for the tweet. This is a hell of a, this is an absolute hell of a tangent. But thanks for the tweets, fellas. At Wisco Grant. Peter, you know, we were talking a little bit about the defensive changes and, and the, the assistant coaches and 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 now this defensive staff starting to take shape. I like, and, and Peter tweeted about this, if you follow him, the largest aggressor. Uh, if you follow him, you would have seen this. I think it was earlier today or yesterday. It's a green flag. Like, it's a very promising sign when assistant coaches survive multiple regime changes, right? If they're good enough where the new coordinator wants to keep them around, Uh, Or or if it's good enough where a coordinator leaves and wants to take that guy with them. Like, that's a green flag, right? I I like coaches that are good enough on their own merit where they don't have to be attached to a coordinator or to a higher level coach to remain employed and keep a job. You know what I mean? Like, some guys are are like career lieutenants for a certain head coach. And at one point in time, that's kind of how I felt about Tom Clements. Like, I thought Tom Clements was a McCarthy guy, but then the Packers brought him back. And he's certainly showed his wares working with Jordan Love and developing him this last year. It, it was really interesting. You know, we we're talking to Peter as well, just kind of recapping some of the things and, and some of the ideas that he brought to the show. How these, these offensive weapons, the wide receivers, tight ends, started to figure it out together. As they figured it out, it was a catastrophe in October. You got into early November and towards Thanksgiving, they started to put two and two together. And it's like, oh, I'm in the right spot now when I'm running this route and in that route. I'm hitting my brakes at the correct time, where I think in October, Jordan Love couldn't trust wide receivers to be where they were supposed to be, and that was harming his confidence. That was harming, you know, his ability to play the way that he wanted to play and probably hurt Matt LaFleur's ability. That play calling, you go back and you watch the Raiders game or um, what was the other one, the Broncos game. It's a lot of really basic stuff. It's a lot of screen passes, behind the line of scrimmage stuff, uh, yards after the catch stuff, because I don't think Matt LaFleur was confident in his pass catcher's ability to go out and be perfect and Jordan Love couldn't trust his guys to go out there and be perfect so it was very shaky but what happened is as all of these wide receivers slowly figured out and slowly got to the point where they were in the right spot now all of a sudden Jordan Love trusts him so he can play with more confidence and now that he's playing with more confidence the wide receivers feed off of that confidence and they get better and as they get better Jordan Love gets more confident and Matt LaFleur gets more confident and it's this the snowball effect, right? Building momentum, building confidence, and that's why this team just got as hot as the surface of the sun on offense. Right. They had kind of a hiccup game against the Giants. Jordan Love missed a couple throws early and you know, it's Monday night football. Against Tommy DeVito. I mean, I don't some sometimes there's just nothing you can do, right? Um, but for the most part, it just they just got hotter and hotter and snowballed more and more. It's like compounding interest right The confidence in the wide receivers feeds into the quarterback which feeds back to the wide receivers and it just grows exponentially and that's why this team played within an inch of beating the 49ers in San Francisco or Santa Clara I guess to be precise. Uh, that's why they got that close uh, because it just it kept compounding over and over and over again confidence leads to more confidence success leads to more success and that's why they were you know within an inch away of beating the 49ers. you can keep tweeting at the show at Wisco Grant. When we come back, maybe we can talk a little bit more about uh, how did Campanile, is that how uh, Peter said it? I haven't been listening to a lot of sports radio this week because we've been producing so much, so some of these names and pronunciations I'm not caught up on. The Packers brought in Chase Daniel earlier this week. Everyone's really excited about that. Anthony Campanile, I think that's the way that it's pronounced. Yep, that sounds right. Uh, On the defensive side, he was with Vic Fangio and the Dolphins, now joining... Uh, Jeff Halfley's staff with the Packers. There's a lot to be excited about. We can continue to talk about it all. Next, it's the Wisco Sports Show. We're live at Radio Row, Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. Glitz and glam. This place rips. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Join the show that way. We're back in five minutes. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: sports show. Appreciate you being here, hanging out part of Super Bowl week. We're live at Radio Row. This massive poster on the wall. So as I sit here, I'm looking, you know, down the row towards the wall, the convention center. There's a huge poster on the wall, Super Bowl LVII, which also just not that it really matters that much, but I tip my cap. I think the design of the Super Bowl is pretty cool. The font, the lettering, the colors, did a good job. There's a huge poster on the wall. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Debo Samuel, and Brock Purdy. And the picture of Brock Purdy just, it just irks me. Uh, He was introduced at Media Night last night. So Media Night was last night. And I don't mean to just talk about my experiences here in Las Vegas, but, you know, we already talked about the, the big news of the day, which is the Brewers' parking situation and them utilizing new technology. They're the first team in American professional sports to do so. They're going to use an app and go away from cash payment for parking. So, that's, of course, that's the biggest story of the day, Super Bowl or no story, especially on this show. Um, but last night was opening night at Allegiant Stadium, so I was down on the field, which was kind of cool. Well, of course it was cool. You're on the, you're on the field in an NFL stadium, and then they set up all of the podiums for the press conferences in an oval so you could walk around and all the players would have their little booth and you could go up the only scrum that was massive was Travis Kelsey but we were there pretty early Bill and Clemens got down there and I found them in the scrum and we were pretty close like probably four or five rows back there was a picture I tweeted it out at Wisco Grant in the cover of the New York Post the scrum for Kelsey was massive it was bigger than Mahomes it was bigger than Brock Purdy McCaffrey and all the other stars in this game Travis Kelsey's was absolutely massive and I was listening for a while, and then you know, after being there a couple minutes, I took my pictures and listened to him talk for a bit. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even need to be here. I am not a reporter that needs to ask and and record questions. I'm not a TV reporter that needs to get footage. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna step aside uh, and let some of these you know professionals do their job so everyone give me credit for that first of all let's recognize how selfless i am for realizing that uh, i just want to take some pictures and get a get a feel for things i'm gonna i'm gonna let the the tv and the, and the reporters get in there so i just want everyone to recognize very selfless of you grant uh yes you're correct a uh, good guy move last night so i was listening to travis kelsey for a bit he was it's not that i thought little of travis kelsey going into last night like i I think my opinion of Travis Kelsey has always been kind of right on the nose, like unbelievable fast catching tight end, uh, really good at freelancing, which is why he's so difficult to guard. Like he might take a unique path to a spot. He might run around a little bit differently after reading the defense. So as soon as a corner thinks, okay, he's running this route. I'm going to take my eyes off of him. Look at the quarterback for a sec. As soon as Travis Kelsey realizes that he's going to go a different way, right? He, he, he's he, And he has that connection with Patrick Mahomes where they can do that together. And I've always recognized that about Kelsey. I mean, it's hard to not watch the Chiefs and like be a believer in how good he is. And the Taylor Swift stuff the Taylor Swift stuff annoyed me for ten minutes. The first game she was at, I'm like, "Oh God, we just had the Summer of the errors tour. Like I'm not on board with this. And then I saw the people on social media that were complaining about Taylor Swift. It's like, "Wait a minute, uh, this is not the cam- I'm not in this camp. This is the grumpy old man camp. I don't want to be in in that camp. So I'm just, like, Taylor Swift being a part of a lot of games this year, it's been cool. It's been a situation that's brought in a lot of new fans, younger fans, a lot more women to watching football, which is great for the NFL. And it's not like they've even showed her on TV that much, especially the last couple games. Like, early on, I know people think of the Bears game. Yeah, they showed a lot during the Bears game. The Bears game was awful. Like, they Taylor Swift being at that game and being on TV was a godsend because we need... (laughs) We needed some entertainment value in that game because we certainly weren't going to get it from the Chicago Bears. It's funny because I look over and NBC Chicago is right here. Uh, somebody looked over here. I don't think he heard me. I think he was looking at somebody else. But, like, that game needed some entertainment value. Taylor Swift provided it. I have no problem with that. Um, it's interesting to see how Travis Kelsey's. sees celebrity by brad paisley great song it's interesting to see how his celebrity has grown he talked a lot of football stuff too last night it wasn't just taylor Swift. i can play you some of the audio i think uh i'm just gonna play it off my phone the same way i'm playing music i think this should work just fine travis kelsey this is from our mike clemens on why winning back-to-back super bowls would be special and why it's important for them to do that Uh, i just gotta get the volume right here here's travis kelsey this is last night And if you're like Grant, we can't hear it. Uh, yeah, it's because I did it wrong. Here's Travis. Here's Travis Kelce.
3: Um, you know, there's a certain uh, tier of teams in the NFL that have gone back to back, and you know, it's. Uh, I've been on a mission ever since I won my first Super Bowl. Uh, we
0: we made it back to to the Super Bowl the year after 2019. Obviously, lost to the uh,
1: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, that's motivated me to get back to this point right here.
0: The best team or the last team to repeat Super Bowls was the Patriots, right? It's just so hard to do because. And let's be honest, like, a lot of winning a Super Bowl is luck. Now, you need to be great. Like, that's 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 how you get into the club. You get into the club by being great and having good quarterback play and avoiding dumb-dumb mistakes and being well-coached. You get to the stage of the postseason, all teams are well-coached. They all have good enough quarterback play to a degree. Brock Purdy, I think, is assisted a little bit more by luck than others, but that's, that's fine. We can talk about that in a couple minutes. Right now we're doing the Chiefs. We're going to get hung up on Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Um, I, like... All these teams are good. You need to be lucky. And it's just really hard to be lucky two years in a row. Last year, and I'm thinking back through the Chiefs playoff run, I maybe I'm forgetting something. I can't really remember a situation where I thought, man, the Chiefs are lucky. You could say that call on Patrick Mahomes at the end of the Bengals game, but I never really thought that the Chiefs were going to lose that game. I just don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to lose football games. Is that nuts? Is that an unbelievable take to have? Just like, yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is just going to do the thing most of the time. I think he's, I think he's just going to win the game most of the time. I, I think that's pretty reasonable. Like I, I think that's common sense. So I, I don't watch the Chiefs. I know a lot of people watch the Chiefs, and they're like, they get all the calls. Like, the Chiefs get all the breaks. No, I think Brock Purdy. I said I wasn't going to talk about Brock Purdy until the end of the show. We'll do him next. I, I don't think the Chiefs get all the calls. I think Patrick Mahomes is that good. And Andy Reid is that good. And Travis Kelsey is that good. It's hard to get lucky at the level you need to get lucky two years in a row to make and to win back-to-back Super Bowls. The Chiefs are just that good at quarterback and coach, and their defense this year is awesome, and even better than it was last year, and they were a stronger defensive team last year than the first two Chiefs teams to make, and one of them, of course, to win the Super Bowl, the first one against the Niners. Travis Kelsey, his reaction, some of you won't like this, I think it's interesting. I think Travis Kelsey did a really good job speaking about some of the other things outside of football. His brother and and Taylor Swift. Here he is, his reaction to Taylor Swift, uh, some Grammy wins, and what she's meant to him. I think this is cool. You don't have to like it. I'm going to play it anyways.
3: She's uh, she's unbelievable. She's uh, she's rewriting the history books herself. Uh, I told her I'll have to hold up my end of the bargain and come home with some hardware too.
0: Oh, now that's that's just power couple stuff. By the way, if we're talking about the Grammys, you know, I don't have a problem with Jay Z. I do have a problem with individuals making it about themselves and taking away the moment from a winner. Now it's kind of happened to Taylor Swift twice. It happened first with Kanye. Jay-Z did it more graceful at the Grammys the other night, but to, I don't know, to get up there and be like, Hey, congrats to the winners, but also like Beyonce got screwed. I don't, I don't know that Beyonce did get screwed. I, I think lemonade might've gotten snubbed when that album came out, but I don't I don't know. I I, I don't look through Beyoncé's history of albums being like that should have been an album here that should be a, a lot of good music, a lot of good albums. I don't know. Just like in the NFL, how does Russell Wilson never he never got an MVP vote? Well, yeah, that's because he was at best the second or third best quarterback in his own conference and that's not even counting the other conference. Right? It's not like we do we don't do conference MVPs, it's the whole league. And Russell Wilson was never even in the conversation for the best quarterback in his own conference. Like somebody so, like you have to take the votes away from somebody else. Right? It's case of the MVPs. It's case of the Grammys, too. There's your uh, talk about the Grammys of the day. God, I can't stand 49ers fans. And I, like, it's not personal. Um, this commentary now coming from a Packers fan, not an owner. I don't speak as an owner when I complain about other fan bases. Fan is short for fanatic, right? Fandom isn't always rational. I can't stand Niners fans. We were at opening night last night. A lot more Niners fans here. I mean, Chiefs Chiefs fans can't file for the Super Bowl every year. You know, they, they run out of money. Niners fans are a little different. I mean, the Niners have been in the Super Bowl somewhat recently, but not as recently as the Chiefs. A lot more Niners fans in the building last night. Anytime Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid, they take the podium or, you know, showing up on the big board, boom, boom. It's like, you guys, the, the, Niners, the Niners and the Celtics are very similar, but the Niners are even worse than the Celtics in that the perception is championship team, you know, contender at the highest level, uh, won the championships. It's like, yeah, some of that is true, but also they haven't won – A Super Bowl since the early 90s. They haven't won a Super Bowl since the first Clinton administration, and yet they kind of get a pass. At least more so than the Packers. And I know the Packers have had elite quarterback play, but the Packers have won two Super Bowls. So, like, don't look at me and act like the Packers have come up completely empty, straight zeros, snake eyes, right for the last 20, 30 years. It's not the—they've two championships since the Niners have won one. And yes, they have the quarterbacks, but okay, but they also won the championships. The Niners have not, and it's like the Celtics at least won won in 2008, you know, and I like to poke fun at the Celtics and say that, you know, they haven't won since you know it's sick. They won all their titles in the sixties before the, the league actually grown to a reasonable size. And then they won one in 2008. At least they have that 2000, 2008 title. What do the Niners have?
3: They're sort of anything.
0: Yeah. The fans and Packers fans were part of this problem because we like to act like Cowboys fans are the worst. I talked to a couple of Cowboys fans yesterday at, at opening night, like walking into the stadium, the most reasonable people, they're like, yeah, it was a really tough season. Packers are fun. Like I, you know, I'm sure you guys had a good time. Like very reasonable, very, 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 very reasonable people. I've no, I have no quarrel, no qualms for the most part with Cowboys fans. Whoa, Skip Bayless. Okay, so Skip Bayless speaks for, Skip. He gets to speak for the whole fan base. Come on now, they they don't they don't all own him. In fact, he's beefing with the Cowboys' best player, Micah Parsons. The Niners, fa- the Niners fans, they're they're worse. They're way worse. They they, they act like they've won multiple titles recently. They haven't won since... Bill Clinton was in office. I don't even think the first BlackBerry was out at that time. In fact, I'm almost positive it wasn't. I just watched that BlackBerry movie with Glenn Howerton. Very good movie. Very fun. Would recommend. Kind of felt like I was watching Dennis the whole time, but I guess that's part of the appeal is that always sunny flavor with Glenn Howerton. Let's take our final break. We'll come back. I probably want to complain about Niners fans a little bit more. It's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. I feel very strongly about at the moment. Last segment of the Wisco Sports Show for the day, wrapping up our Tuesday show... Here at Radio Realm, Mandalay Bay, Super Bowl LVII, which I'm pretty sure is 58. Could be wrong. Don't really care. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Zone Radio Network. Wisco I can get no relief Drink my wine.
0: Come and my sports show sorry about that little delay it's a good song though right it's a good song uh, I was talking with maybe some potential guests for tomorrow radio Rose happened yesterday was quiet. Like when, it, like, when we were leaving last night, you guys may or may not care, but it's, it's part of the reason being out here. Like, I want to share with you kind of some of the hilariousness that is Radio Row. Because deep down, I really feel like I shouldn't be. I Like, this is an underdog show. I like that. We don't think too highly of ourselves or take ourselves too seriously. It was so quiet in here last night that Rob Parker and the Odd Couple over on Fox Sports Radio, they were talking about Belichick. And Rob Parker started yelling about how Belichick doesn't have a job because he's a cheater and he's a loser and he's old. And it was so loud that I could hear it, and so could the guy next door from NBC Sports Boston. And we just looked at each other, because I'm like, I wonder, can the Boston guys hear this? So I looked over, uh, and (laughs) and he's just rolling his eyes. Today, it's popping. Numbers have doubled, tripled, triples. Triples are best, of course. Um, So I appreciate everybody listening tonight. The podcast, I apologize. I'm doing quite literally the best I can, because when I'm not in the radio building... I don't have access to a lot of the same things. So Ebo, who's doing yeoman's work this week, kind of making sure Bill's board is okay and kind of helping me with some things, he's sending me the audio of my show, but he's sending it the morning after. So I will post the audio, like, first thing tomorrow when I get it, I promise. So yesterday's podcast is up. If you missed it, Eric Eager is just the man. Uh, so we had Eric We had Thomas Dimitrov, the former GM of the Falcons. He's just become an awesome voice in football media. Uh, And then we had Matthew Collar as well. Plug his book about PFF. So it was an absolutely outstanding show. So go check out the podcast. This show will be up tomorrow. Thanks to Trevor Sickema. Go follow him on Twitter. Tampa Bay Trey. Give him the Bills bump. Tweet him, thank you for coming on the show. Awesome conversation. And if you missed it, be sure to find it in the podcast tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to take off. I'm going to go try to avoid making bad decisions that I'll regret tomorrow. And we got to be back here at 7 a.m., Bill Show, which starts at 8 a.m. I thought 10 a.m. was early. Not a morning person. Doing my best. Thanks for listening. More to come tomorrow. I can't wait. It's been a really fun week. A lot more to come. So thanks for listening. Wisco Sports Show. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you at 4. It's two-